Welcome to the Let's Talk Talent podcast. I'll be speaking to talent leaders, business owners, people and culture specialists on everything to do with talent acquisition from DE&I, scaling teams, building employer brands, the talent market, growing during COVID, plus much, much more. My aim is for our listeners to get at least one piece of value from each episode that you can take away and use in your role or business. I hope you enjoy. This month, I'm joined by Neil Gunning, who is the head of people at Frollo and director of the famous TechNife for Sydney. During this episode, we uncover Neil's thoughts on everything to do with the data-driven talent acquisition, talking about key data measurements, systems and processes, reporting talent data to execs and board members, plus much more. I hope you enjoy. Hey, good morning, Neil. How you doing, mate? Yeah, not bad, Adam. You? Awesome. Yes, I'm brilliant, mate. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining us on the uh, Let's Talk Talent podcast. Easy. Um, nice for making it in the morning uh, after I've had my coffee. <laughs> I don't function, mate. <laughs> uh, but awesome. Thanks for joining, first of all. And uh, for the sake of the listeners, mate, uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners will know who, who you are. But just for the sake of the listeners, just give us a bit of a, a rundown of your background and sort of current situation, that type of thing. Yeah, no, Thomas. Um, I'm Neil Gunning. I've been in the, the talent and people world now for eight years. Got the grey hairs and the war wins to prove it, I guess. Um, and uh, spent the massive majority of that time in tech scale-ups. Um, so organisations are going from point A to, you know, point C, D and Z and beyond um, and, and sort of uh, helping them go through that growth, fa- uh, growth phase. Everything from, you know, systems, tooling, capability, etc, uh, etc. Et Just doing that, that building role. Um, currently, I'm, uh, I've, I guess I'm, I'm double hatting across two roles. I'm working for both a company called NextGen.net in a, in a more talent strategy role. And I'm also the head of people for a business called Frollo. That is, uh, Frollo is a wholly owned subsidiary of, uh, of NextGen. No, awesome. So, what's the what's the story with uh, getting into talent acquisition initially, mate? Um, because uh, everyone seems to have their uh, different versions of how they got in the industry. What's yours? I, I it's it's funniest thing. Anytime I speak to anyone, I I, I reckon in, in all my time in the industry, I've I've spoken to a couple of people max who haven't fallen into competition. <laughs> exactly marks. right. Um, I, I was one of them. Fall into it. I um I've, I'm a complete self-confessed people geek, and um regardless of of where I you know can I land or what I do in a business, the the fundamental is always just to 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 geek out on unleashing people on a business yeah. and and doing that the right way. So, um so yeah, I I I think what was the you know way 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 back when? I mean, I was 16 when I started, and um or, you know maybe a little bit before that, but it wasn't really legal, so. We'll, uh, we'll, we won't really talk too much to that, but, um, <laughs> but I, I remember, I remember, I remember actually being interviewed by um, an agency recruiter, and and at the time it was suits, it was you know shiny compendiums, it was you know, and I remember thinking at the time as a, as a youngster, Jesus, yeah. this this person's got a lot of a lot of power. This you know, yeah. there's a lot of gravitas in this role, and you know, yeah. and thinking, yeah, that's and and then you know, I've, I've always been quite comfortable speaking and chatting to people and learning about them and, and so on and so forth so i uh, i yeah that was the sort of the awakening of the beast i guess i uh yeah. I, you know i, I kind of wanted to jump into it from there yeah so i managed to yeah the part i was going to ask is it was it was the agency then sorry that you, you jumped into at the beginning said. yeah so i yeah, mean yeah. half of that uh, i'd say the first sort of uh, six or seven years was agency and then everything from then has been 
um, has been internal. Um, yeah. So, and and I mean to be honest, that that's uh, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to do it any other way um, for a whole no. bunch of reasons. But um, but yeah, so it started off managed to get an agency role quite quickly. Um, you know, just a you know relative junior starting off in resourcing, and and you start getting your cutting your teeth under BD calls and all the standard agency stuff you do. Mm, yeah. And um and yeah and to be honest I just loved it. I um you know I'm I, again I I enjoy um geeking out on people stuff but I'm also yeah. you know even back then I think it was also quite commercially minded so um yeah. that that suited me um for awesome. uh, suited me at the time to a point yeah. Um, yeah. you know until you start looking for something more. So that was my that was my entry it was actually quite uh, conscious rather than just falling into it. Yeah, for sure. My mum was completely opposite. So I was um, back in, I was in banking, started banking. And I, if you were to look at sort of the personality, the persona of someone in recruitment back then, in like, mm. that was back in 2005, it just wasn't me. And so I, yeah. I had people telling me it would, I haven't got the right sort of personality background for actually working recruitment. And I kind of wanted to prove people wrong. And yeah. I had friends that were in recruitment at the time earning a lot of money. And that was the driver for me back then. Nice. Um, and uh, and again, I wouldn't change it because the agency moving now internal um, and you always have that stigma of the internal recruiters or the talent acquisition of failed recruiters uh, or failed mm. agency recruiters. Um, <laughs> and it's so far from the truth. Um, but I, I uh, yeah, that the, the, the work that I did in agency has helped me no end to sort of uh, oh. on an internal it's and huge in the transition yeah absolutely i mean agency even even now when i hire um people into my teams um i i majority of the time hire someone who's got a large part of their career in agency and maybe only mm. recently moved into ta or someone straight out of agency um yeah. you know the, the the characteristics that you need in internal i think are wildly different but mm. at the same time you can find the same characteristics in in an agency person they're just deploying them in, in a different way yeah. um but what you do learn an agency is to have a lot of fire in the belly to to mm. um to be able to juggle a number of different things you have to learn to prioritize quickly you have to manage multiple stakeholders with you know who are completely different audiences with different priorities and figure out how to juggle them so yeah. and, and it, is, it tends to be a bit of a baptism of fire so yeah. even though you're taking them out of that environment where you know that might be a bit more of a baptism of fire into something that might be a bit more you know let's call it strategic yeah. um it's th those skills are, are always especially in scale up you know they're, they're all, you're always going to use them you're always going to mm. need them and they're, they're fundamental building blocks to the skills that you can overlay over the top i believe yeah yeah 100 and, and, and what i love about internal is the fact that you can actually you're real close to the client like you mm. that, that business that you're in you know the ins and outs you this mm. where you don't and even though in agency you try and get as close as you can to the actual client or the, the, mm. the actual customer that you're serving you never really get this nitty-gritty of what the culture is really like or the you are the setting, client but you, yeah exactly right that's right you know you're, um, you're you're held to account for the quality of the outcomes of what you do yeah quality of, of you know if you're in a icta role the quality of the candidates that you bring in and how many of the 100 the right bums on the right seats you put in place if you're leading a team how effective your team is if you're a senior leadership how effective your strategy is you're, you're being held to account for the outcomes rather than um being more of a you know without without sort of um without it sort of sounding crass with you know rather than being more of a point solution you know there's yeah. lots of organizations there's lots of agencies out there the ones that i partner with you know they're they're true partners and they will yeah. partner effectively with me and they they are less point solutiony but there's yeah. lots of agencies out there who tend to be a bit more point solution you know throwing people into the mix and then the you know whether they're successful or not is not really their bag they're not really that yeah. you know first on that whereas you know when you're internal you you don't get to hide 
So no, exactly, hundred percent. So, so your role. So you say you split now at the moment. So yeah, follow. Um, and uh, what was the what was the other company? Uh, Nextgen.net, NGN, Nextgen.net. Yeah. So, um, so talent strategy for Nextgen.net, and so um, tend not to to do any of the uh, anything that's sort of more um, the sort of delivery and tactical focus. It's much more looking at. Um, how can we unleash the the talent potential in the business in, in more effective ways? So, um, you know, current sort of projects there are focused on like reorging the the business. Uh, you know, so looking at the org design and how we can um, you know derive and optimize, I guess, for for effectiveness and, and outcome. Yeah. Um, whereas with uh, with Frollo, uh, set of people, um, yeah. uh, you know, I am now and I always will be a talent acquisition specialist. That's that's my sweet spot. <laughs> that's where I yeah. geek out. That's what I love. But yeah. Um, at the same time, by nature of the roles that I've been in, um, I, I tend to I, I tend to sort of get involved a, a lot more broadly, and it's just sort of, you know, gravitated into you know, a, a, I guess a broader role. Um, so, yeah. uh, looking after yeah the, the whole people space, inclusive of mm-hmm. talent acquisition control. Oh, that's awesome! And uh, and then obviously Tech Live Sydney, it's uh, mm. you're heavily involved with at the moment. <laughs> what was the yeah. uh, what was the drivers behind that initially, or um, the reason for starting? Tech Life Sydney. So my co-founder Alex, uh, wait, who a lot of people listening will know as well. He's he's yeah. a he's a great human being, and and way back when I was um, heading up talent at Sightminder, mm. uh, and Alex was over at Ansarada. Um, we we caught up for coffee, and we were talking about the the same sort of talent problems that everyone is having here. You know, we were not dealing with even well now it's worse than what it was even back then. But even back then, we were never dealing with talent pools in tech. We've been dealing with talent puddles, and yeah. um, and then everyone is just pulling from everyone. And most of the talent is on a rotating table to the point that if you pull someone from another team that's over in another tech company, half the time you're getting on the phone to that company going, ha ha ha, we just pulled your tech talent type thing. Yeah. Um, and so the supply and demand issues basically we we were talking about back then and so the you know tech life sydney was born out of trying to solve that problem how can we solve the lack of supply issue that we have um and of, of course where it's landed now is very different to what iteration one was um but you know we um we're still fundamentally solving the same problem which is how do we how do we drive or how do we um, yeah, solve for the supply and demand issues we have and make sure that not everyone is just clambering for every bit of talent that's out there. And instead, we're trying to help people realize that characterizing themselves effectively and really, you know, authentically putting themselves out there and letting the, that talent puddle, in quotation yeah. marks, decide for them who is the organization for them, uh, which in turn will enhance, you know, uh, tenure and and comfort in a role and values alignment and all these sorts of things um yeah. you know so it was you know back then it was all about events and and sort of making you know yeah. pulling people over from overseas and bringing them into the business and and you know it was uh it's again it was solving the same problem we just went about it in a different way yeah. um and it's just evolved many times over the years uh to to where we've landed today as more of a an employer branding as a service provider yeah, no, awesome, and uh, we had our first piece of content going out last week. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw some, that. I saw that. Yeah, and it was so it was a really smick piece of content too. I was really proud of that one. <laughs> awesome, yeah, Les, uh, Les and your team done a great job. Yeah, that is awesome. It's uh, it was great, great work, and uh, I'm looking forward to the follow up meeting that we've got. Absolutely. In, yeah, we'll uh, have in January. Yeah, yep. that's awesome. Um, I think I've, I can talk to you all day about everything. So, uh, in terms <laughs> of the subject I want to cover today, uh, mm-hmm. Neil is uh, data and uh, talent acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know this is, um, we, we obviously had a, a meeting probably six months ago now, and I know this mm-hmm. was a big sort of subject for you back then. So yeah. just, just for the sake of the listeners, mate, if you want to just give us a sort of a, an overview of what we mean by when we talk about a data driven TA, what, 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 what mm-hmm. are we talking about? 
I mean, ultimately, um, it, it marks a change in what recruitment used to be maybe 20 years ago and what talent acquisition is now and what are one of the changes. I mean, um, as we know in the people world, we're in the world of heuristics and inexact sciences. We're not talking about a binary profession where everything is ones and zeros, like, you know, like, uh, you know, in, in engineering or something like that. It's, it is, it's, it's much more pragmatic. It's much more real life. So um, for a long time, it was considered that, you know, uh, the, the qualitative information is enough and the anecdotal information is enough to make calls. Whereas um, more and more and more as, as our, our thoughts and feelings on the people world matured, the more we realized that you can actually literally measure everything. Yeah. Um, and more and more and more, we, we started realizing that um, the if we're only using qualitative and no quantitative data for anything um, yeah. to measure anything or to enhance anything, we're, we're literally using a percentage of the picture and you're likely going to skew where you're going. So, so ultimately it was, it was, you know, data-driven TA, data-driven people function as a whole, but data-driven TA for, for the, um, you know, for, for um, the purpose of the podcast yeah, is, is basically just making sure that you are using data, qualitative and quantitative and, and experiential and all the various different types of data, but you're pulling it all together to make sure you're gaining a fuller understanding of, of where you're at today, um, yeah. trying to build a picture of where you're going. And then you can, uh, you know, you know, really start looking at what are the steps to get there um, yeah. uh, as opposed to it all being, you know, licking the finger and putting it up in the air. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And, and I'll be completely honest, it's, it's an area that uh, I it's, it's going to be a, a huge focus for me uh, in mm. the new year, because it's, uh, I think you, you're right, it's it's going to be the way the market has shifted. Uh, we need to become more more data driven and, and go based on it's a little bit. So, so in terms of from your perspective, and, and obviously, the, the companies that you've worked at previously, even mm. most recent, what are some of the key data measurements you feel talent acquisition need uh, above anything else? That, that's the, the benchmark in terms of the, is for, for sure what the, the measurements need to be. Sure. Uh, I mean, it, it's a funny one. I get asked that. I actually get asked that a fair amount. And my yeah. my stance on it is it, it's, it almost sounds vanilla and it sounds like a get out, but it's not because there is no like one size fits all. And yep. there is lots of, of people and functions and, and organizations out there who say, oh, you have to measure X. You know, the more you can measure, the better. There is no one. I mean, and and a lot of what you should be measuring, the the things that are going to be getting reported back to your your C suite or your senior leaders or whoever, is going to be based on what your business needs are. So there is yeah. no one size fits all. I mean, for example, um, I've joined businesses where I've been the first tee in the door, and it was literally a greenfield build from the beginning. Yeah. Um, so from there, you're basically just looking to build your first baseline of what are all the hygiene metrics. So you're, you know, you've got, you know, it's it's funny. You've got a lot of people that will speak to different nuanced types of metrics these days and 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 therefore think that things like your average cost per hires your time to fills your time to hires your yeah. your cohort analysis your your stage uh, like your yeah, the effectiveness of your pipeline stages and how well you're all of these things what they what they are to me basically are the fundamentals they are like the the hygiene metrics that when you first go in and you're first starting to build that first sample of data to know yeah. to, that, that is the anchor point for everything else that's what you're building from. But then how you build and the way you build and the velocity you build is entirely driven by what your business needs. Um, yeah. So as the first TA in the door, you're literally just building that and then based on, you know, how many people do they want to hire over what period of time, what are the talent pools like, what's the talent availability like, what tools do we have available? You know, you can then start pulling all that apart and start going, okay, here's what good looks like for us. You know, you yeah. can use industry standard data that's available and it's out there. Again, a lot of the time it can be quite inexact, but it's always there and just with a little bit of manipulation, you can find it. 
Yeah. Um, so you can, you know, and but then on the flip side of that, you know, when you join, a, you know, a SiteMinder, for example, you're you're joining a business that's already scaled to, you know, 400 plus, and yeah. and they need to, they're they're at the time they've had massive injection of VC, they have to hyperscale and. And so it's a very different beast. That's more of an optimization. That's like, okay, where are we at today? What are the things that are not working today? And yeah. where are the, you know, it's, yeah, so, you, you know, the things that you measure are, there should be no, you shouldn't, anyone, my, I guess my feedback would always be that nobody should be going into a business with preconceived ideas of this is all I'm going to measure and this is what I'm going to do. Otherwise, you're starting to sort of, uh, I guess, take the approach of, um, you know, if if the only tool you have in the shed is a hammer, every problem begins to look like a nail. You know, you yeah, you, you don't exactly want to be right. that person. You want you want to go in and have a growth mentality. Understand that you have to apply a principle level understanding of what you're doing to yeah. the context of that business, um, and then you know, and then come back with the, the solution to the problems. And yeah. you know, so so you know, they, it's it's um, so it's without trying to kind of you know be vanilla and say there is no such thing as what are the ones or the key things that I would measure. There mm. there's a million things you would measure based on what you want to see success in um, yep. and it's entirely driven by the business to join no 100 i completely agree with that and and, and is there, has there been any kind of sort of systems processes that you found work best in analyzing the reported data um whether that's for from a from a function perspective or actually going back to sort of the c-suite See, be honest, it's an interesting one. The, the one fundamental that you'll find in any measuring that you'll always use is Sheets or Excel, <laughs> um, it's, it's, yeah, especially yeah. at the beginning. And because ultimately what you're doing up front, I mean, and depending on, again, when you join a business, you may join a business that has already got a maturity of thinking around their people operations and measuring people operations and measuring talent acquisition, in which case they may have some you know, nice um, reporting solutions and data visualization and dashboards and stuff available, which is amazing. But if not, the yeah. first thing we should be doing is again pulling that that immediate sort of baseline of data and realistically half you know more than half the time 90 percent of the time the only way you're going to be able to do that is by pulling into a, an excel spreadsheet or a um, or a sheet of sort and manipulating it yourself you know starting to dust off the old vlookup and and pivot table sort of and, and pulling those things into some sort of visualization yeah. that can support the direction in which you're going so that you can i mean it's, it's the old analogy that it's not entirely true, I don't think, but if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. You start measuring using the, the kind of really rudimentary tools yep. um, and you and you make some sense of that. You start telling a story with that. You start educating people around those things. And then that is what builds the credibility and the business case for getting the bells and whistles and getting the, you know, the, the nice data visualization tools and getting the time of the data engineer or the data analyst to to start putting together those, um, those dashboards for you. Um, yep. So... So yeah, it's um you know the uh, I guess uh, in regards to processes, processes probably not because again heavily defined by by the business, but um you know in terms of systems and so on, they they uh, I I do always go back to especially in the beginning phases, I always go back to fundamentals and and dump yeah. everything raw into um into Excel spreadsheets, um so that you can really get a clear understanding of of you know what your today is, what your as is is yeah. Um, because as you know, like any system out there, any of the reporting capability in software, mm -hmm. like any ATS and the reporting capability that ATS has, that the, the reporting is only be only going to be as good as the data that's in there. And if you've 100%. got no visibility of of the data that's gone into it, how well the system's been bolted together, how well it's being used, how you know, etc., you can't trust that data. So what mm -hmm. you're going to have to do is is pull all that data down, make assumptions based on what you think is likely to have happened you know and 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 you know like you're you're, you're trying to use that to create that uh, you know an effective baseline i guess yeah. um and from that you can then start building from there 
So, so yeah, yeah. I, I hate to be, I hate to be the guy that sounds like a dinosaur, but yeah, I'm going to have to say that the fundamental is always <laughs> going to be the, um, the, the, the yeah. Excel or sheets. And then from that, yeah, you want to start bolting on some really, really effective reporting tools once you've built the credibility using that. Yeah. Awesome. And, and for, for you personally, when you're going into the, have, um, do you have a, a clear process you, yourself personally when you where they're actually sitting and where they are in terms of that like, like you mentioned earlier in terms of those key mm. measurements of where the business is at from a growth perspective um yeah i mean look to be honest it does it's, it's probably a combination of my last two answers i'd say i mean it's yeah. one of them is going in understanding where they're at and then understanding what systems they have in place and sometimes i mean for example i recently joined an organization where there was nothing clean um, in any in any systems whatsoever. So what I basically had to do was pull um, whatever ATS data we had, um, yeah. and and the way it was bolted together was multiple different modules that nothing was speaking to one another. So it was it was basically the equivalent of pulling the like three different um, systems of data into a, a single sort of Excel or sheet at the time. Um, getting finance data because we we're building out the headcount plans and the budgets and so on. So getting finance data, getting HRIS data getting um, strategy data it was and it was basically a manual exercise and going and pulling all of that together um mm. so now the nice thing about that of course is that you know by doing that you're very quickly starting to build relationships across the business and you're starting yeah. to open up those dialogues with people in the business where hey you're not just going to come in and be this you know ic execution focused you know in quotation marks recruiter that in actual yeah. fact you're going to come in and you're going to business partner with them effectively and that you want to gain a rounder and broader understanding of of what's exactly in front of us so that everyone in the business can start to sort of um, feel more comfortable that they're in the right hands, I guess. Um, so yeah. it does it does enable that. Um, but my process, uh, you know, when I, when I first go in, the first thing I'm thinking about is, okay, what systems do we have available? What, um, you know, and how, you know, like, is, I guess it's doing the as is analysis before you start thinking about the to be analysis. So you're, mm. you're literally, you need to go in look at what systems are available, what people are available or what people are there in terms of how effectively can you partner with them and um, where are the logical links and between the different departments and all that very stuff, pulling all that together. And then from that, starting to make sense of that. And, and the, the immediate things that I'll normally look for, it will be the fundamental, what I call the hygiene metrics. So in yeah. talent acquisition specifically, it will be around things like, um, yeah, so, you know, your standard cost per hire is time to fill is time to hire. So time to fill, of course, you know, requisition open to requisition close time to hire from when a successful candidate is tapped on the shoulder to when they sign a contract um cohort analysis you know based on different departments or regions how are they how effectively are they interviewing um pipeline stages where are people dropping off and do we have certain stages in the in the pipeline that are clearly blockers to even with even in the way we're currently doing things today is a clear blockers to where you know where people are dropping off and therefore they're not getting through so you'll you'll build all that sample of data just to get a really good understanding of what today is yeah. Um, and then from there, when you start looking at what your improvements that you're looking to achieve are, and then you can start putting new metrics in place that you're going to be measuring on a quarterly, six monthly, yearly basis based on what the business needs are. You know, yeah. so yeah. that's that's generally the way I look at things. So I, I big it back to fundamentals. What's the as is analysis? Let's do that first. Get all the yeah. data I can derive from everything that's there. Then you can start doing the two B, and then you can start putting the building blocks in place. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And and going back to to what you mentioned earlier is is coming mm. in with that angle rather than you just being at all taker and actually filling yeah. jobs and um, which it's it can be easily done. Um, but yeah. then obviously yeah. coming in at this angle and actually coming in a more strategic mindset is actually partnering mm. with the these heads of or um, hiring managers, uh, even mm. the exec team, and actually mm. um, coming from a place of um, 
you're basically building that trust right from the very Absolutely. start, aren't you? And, yeah. and look, I think it's important to to note as well for anyone, like, just in case anyone that's listening is thinking, oh, it's easier said than done. You'll find that, like, you know, in my experience anyway, I can only speak from my own experience, but in my experience, it's never been uh, a trying to push it up a hill type thing where you're going in and mm. you're they're basically trying to pigeonhole you into being an order taker. If mm. you go in and you take that approach, you it will be welcome with open arms. And, yeah. you know, you know, you're you're giving a level of visibility and a level of rigor and a level of structure and a level and, a, uh, you know, that that the business is screaming out for. And, and like anyone, anyone or anything, they don't know what they don't know. If they've never had that in the business before, they they're not going to know to ask for it or that they want that. So if you yeah. take that with you, you're giving a level of visibility and you're giving a level of, uh, of, of maturity. And I guess, uh, you know, a level of respect back to, to yeah. a function that maybe previously didn't have that. Uh, yeah. And in return, you'll get a lot of people that are respond really well to um, to you trying to give broader and wider visibility to the to the wider business. Hundred percent, and 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 you they'd, they'd expect that kind of information from other functions within the business. So why not? Talent? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, and <clears throat> sorry, and you know, you mentioned it earlier that it's really different what what data points are, are required. So my, my next mm. question is probably. Make it of a vague answer in, in some ways, right. but when reporting to the those exec teams, the um, and now sometimes the board members, founders, CEOs of the business, what do you feel are some of the the required data points? I know that you mentioned every mm. business is different, but what do you think the mm. sort of the baseline of what they would need um, when they're going into a board meeting and or or going into um, an investor meeting, for instance, uh, what what, mm. what information do they need from a, a talent team? Do you think? That's, yeah, I mean, look, found I, in the past? I, I, and what I should try and do then, because it, it, do, it does heavily depend on business, but also yeah, try and 100%. do to give to give examples of of where it's where it's so different. I'll try and call on sort of past experience. Um, so for I've been in businesses where their FP&A, um, sorry, um, financial planning and analysis hasn't really been on point, and yeah. so um, and with that, you know, a lot of the time they are not looking at. You know this bum that's going on this seat. What is the likely revenue that we're going to derive from that? Because if their FPA is in check and they have their the you know really effective financial models, a lot of the reporting will be around making sure you're hitting revenue targets based on the headcount you're putting in place. Yeah. So it, depending on the maturity of that type of thing, so you'll be reporting on that, and that's what they care about. And therefore, if you're and you know if you're reporting on how you're not trending towards the revenue targets they have based on uh, headcount not tracking the right way, that of course points to velocity of hires and how quickly you're actually getting bums and seats anyway. But what they're yeah. focused on is the revenue piece. So you know, depending on the maturity of how all those things check out, um, or sorry, yeah. depending on the maturity of the business, that's that might be the angle that a business would look at it. And other businesses, though, I mean, look as we know in the in the scale up world and in the tech world in general, like everything is about pace. Everything yeah. is about pace. And so, you know, like half the time I find that as a, you know, as a talent acquisition, you know, uh, person, leader, you know, whatever, you, you're, you're trying to find that really nice cross section of speed and rigor. You know, yeah. like you don't want you don't want speed to, you know, it's the, it's the old um, time cost quality triangle. You know, like you don't want to find yourself just going fast because then quality and cost likely could could fail. You want to find the right sort of balance of both. And so, you know, but speed is always a constant in every single tech business. So a lot of the time, you you know, they just want to know, OK, all, of all these roles, how many of them have been filled over X amount of time? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and so like so a lot of, again, that, that would be less focused on how mature is their revenue models and their financial models and can you tie it back to business performance um that would just be more based on 
you know, because um, I mean, let's be honest, you know, I could, we could write down all the, the kind of cool metrics in the world that are focused yeah. on the stuff that we geek out on, but a business doesn't want to see that. That's noise to a lot of businesses. They want to know that the, the function is operating as effectively yeah. and as efficiently as it can. So based on what those, you know, how, um, based on, I guess, the stage of the business that will guide what you're reporting on. And even just in terms of, um, you know, maturity of the business as a whole, you know, I guess a, a third example. Maybe, um, you know, when you're the first T in the door, it's where it's a smaller business and they're they're just figuring, you know, and they're just kind of finding their feet, I guess, where yeah. ultimately everything is an education journey. So, mm. you know, when you're in those businesses, what I find is where, you know, the larger businesses, they'll want a, a weekly or a monthly report or both, or they might want a quarterly one for board meeting, depending on, you know, they'll have a particular cadence you'll be working towards, whereas in the smaller businesses, they will want to understand how you're measuring success. They will yep. want to understand, you know, so they might want to know a little bit more of the under the hood stuff around what does, you know, uh, what what does a good sort of, um, uh, you know, cohort analysis look like? What What is the health you're looking for? You know, what is a good top of funnel into the funnel in regards to the vendor effectiveness and candidate behavior? They want to understand all those things just so that they know that you're, you're I guess, bringing some of those data points yep. to an otherwise heuristic profession. So. You know, being that first day in the door, it may be a little bit more every couple of days, pulse checky, you know, a, a weekly sort of, you know, quite um, operational and quite delivery focused report. So, you know, there's there's no sort of one size fits all, sadly, again, but maybe those hopefully those three examples maybe give a couple of data points as to how it just shifts a little bit um, based on the, the business needs and maturity. Yeah, no, that's 100%. That's an awesome answer. And thank you uh, for going into such detail. Um, I, I completely agree with everything you were um, in terms of, so if we were looking at the talent acquisition um, market, if you look at the, especially over the last two years, especially mm -hmm. with the pandemic and, the, yeah. and what's happened there and the uh, border closures and things, mm -hmm. do, you, do you envisage any further changes to the talent acquisition market uh, or even opening up further opportunities um, within, uh, and, and how do you feel data is going to play uh, in, in, in that part of it? Um, oh, it's going to be huge, and and do I see changes? That, yeah, I, I I see potential positive changes if yeah. the talent acquisition industry and the people industry as a whole grab a hold of the opportunities they present themselves. So, mm. at the beginning of the pandemic, we found ourselves in a situation where we were, um, you know, all of us in our industry were basically um, dispensable to a certain extent because all of a sudden, no business was thinking about growth. Every business was thinking about um, rebalancing the cash balance and making sure that we're going to ride out the storm. And that was, yeah. you know, and so, and understandably so. But then more and more, as we've understood the economics of the situation we're in and COVID and so on and so forth, I mean, the market right now is hotter than I've ever seen it in 18 and a half years of, Absolutely you know, 18, crazy. 19 years of. Now, with that comes um, the ability for lots of people to take on new roles and, and apply a completely different lens to how they've maybe historically operated. So if they've maybe historically operated in a bit more of a transactional, just filling roles, you know, day to day type thing, um, by by building out that data driven capability, by building out the things that a business as a whole will want to see and trying to apply that, you know, um, holistic data driven principle level view of the world, where yeah. if they can apply that in their next role, they can elevate themselves. And what that does, if, if we get a, a large cohort of our industry doing that at the one time, we can elevate the the stance, we can elevate the standing of, of the industry as a whole across business and across and in my case across tech but in, in across business as a whole you know we we're still shaking off i think the shackles of 
um, you know, 10 and 15 years ago, where there's a lot of businesses that are still run by, you know, boards or CEOs or whatever, who have maybe been in and around the business world for that long for, you know, the 10 and 15 and 20 years and so on. And therefore, a lot of the legacy ways of thinking might still be a bit more prevalent in some businesses than others. The more we can sort of break through that and we can shake off that stigma, the better. Uh, And we can start to like rightfully give ourselves, you know, the, I mean, talent acquisition is talent acquisition because it is a business partnering function. It's not just recruitment where you've chuck chuck up an ad and and throw CVs over the fence to a hiring manager anymore. It's much Mm -hmm. more about thinking longer term. It's business partnering, it's advisory, and it's it's being data driven. So the more we can do that and the more we can elevate ourselves, the more we give ourselves a much more prominent position in business. And I think that is the opportunity we have. There is so much demand. There is businesses need talent acquisition and people, people, yeah. um, more more than ever before. You use that as an opportunity to go right. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna change the dynamic of, of what this role and what you know what this what this role looks like for me and how I'm going to you know impact positively impact the business. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And did you just out of interest? Did you see the if we were to go back to the beginning of the pandemic now, nearly two years mm-hmm. ago, and, and mm-hmm. when when we were everyone was just so uncertain in terms of where the market was going to go. Did you, mm-hmm. did you see it playing out this way or did you, did you see that far ahead that it was actually, because, because I, I can't believe how quickly that sort of, sort of turned on its head in terms of that. Uh, that to, to the degree, yeah, to the degree that it has, no, definitely yeah. not. I mean, I, like, I don't think, and I think anyone who says that, I mean, even if yeah. you go to the Josh Burson, <laughs> if you go to the Josh Bursons of the world and they have yeah. like absolute, you know, um, like uh, legions of, of analysts behind them. Maybe they managed to spot it, but mm. um, I mean, look, I, I think what everyone was, you know, partially hoping, partially thinking was going to happen was that, um, you know, we'd weather the storm, we'd come out the other side of it. And yes, there would be a couple of the bigger businesses with the deeper pockets who are going to use coming out the other side of it as a bit of a launch pad. Um, so, yeah. And, and yeah, there was going to be a little bit, but was it going to have, was it going to be to the degree that industry-wide we were going to have huge, um, you know, huge surges and need for this function. I don't think anyone would have would have. Um, yeah. Well, I I think that you know, we all we all knew we were going to come out the other side of it. I think we were all hopeful of coming out the other side of it relatively strong. But yeah. I think people more felt like it was um, going to be a we'll come out the other side of it and we'll go back to a relative normality. Not yeah. that we'll come out the other side of it and we'll go back to it being. Um, you know, a, a market that is that we're where our, our capability and skill set is so in demand that we've never seen it like that before. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, again, maybe it was partial hopefulness that, that mm. led us to think, yeah, we'll come out the other side of it, you know, fine. But I think if anyone managed to to um, if anyone managed to, uh, you know, like make that prediction that we were going to come out the other side of it with things as hot as what they are. Um, yeah. I want to know that person because I want to work with them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> but it, it, I just find it absolutely amazing that um, we were at one point, um, everyone was sort of thinking, well, they're going to get the talent's probably the first function they get get rid of in a business a, a lot of the time. And uh, and then to go from that to the requirement that is now and, and the businesses are actually thriving. It's yeah. it's just, it's it's crazy to watch. It's crazy to see. And look, it's, it's, it's causing a lot of really interesting ripple effects as well. Like again, mm. just thinking on that and so on. But, you know, we, yeah. a lot of, what you know, when you think on, um, average tenure and roles and yep. and how that impacts even decision making and assessment and and all that like over the last couple of months how do you oh, sorry a couple of years how do you how do you account for the 
the sporadic random movements of talent acquisition people and people in general over the last couple of years yeah. you know so it's it's going to be interesting how it all plays out but it is just really positive to see that you know people uh, professionals as a whole um are are coming out the other side of it with businesses seemingly understanding the the the, the level of um level of impact that that we can have uh, and, yeah. and and clearly by the the sheer demand putting a level of importance in that so yeah 100 yeah, cool. 100 so it takes me on to the final final question for you mate if you were to give mm -hmm. a piece of advice to other talent heads uh, who are trying to become more data driven in their function uh, but unsure mm -hmm. where to start what advice would you give them at the end of the day you could literally you could literally say just you know um you know you, you need to try and change your lens away from making calls based on what you think you're seeing um and just like alone just in the day-to-day -day market because i mean at the end of the day we we all we're, we're all talking to a million people every single day whether it be internally or, or externally um and in our industries and therefore we believe we, we all believe we have a really solid pulse check um on on um on what data constitutes effective and, and good and so on. But when we really take a step back and, and we realize how much of a small sample of data that is in relation to the total industry, um, yeah. you know, I guess the, the feedback would be, um, don't allow yourself to be complacent with, especially when you're trying to advise a business. A business doesn't want anecdotal data. A business doesn't want like um, just qualitative. A business, if, if we're gonna truly elevate talent acquisition, yeah. be willing to put in that little bit of it, whether it's, 20 minutes a day or uh, an hour on the weekend or whatever to to look at and, and find those the, the data points that are out there that support the business cases that you're trying to drive um yeah. don't allow yourself to just fall into the trap of um you know like uh, you know yeah no i saw you know john over there his company's doing x so we should do x because that looks really good don't allow yourself to that that's that's what's going to keep um, I guess a relative ceiling on on the level that you know the people operations function can grow to. Um, yeah. The more people are willing to just put that little bit of extra time in um, to find those data points. The, you know the, the data points in the people world are out there. They're all out there. You know, and a yeah. lot of the time you may have to find it might not be always relational to. Um, you know, I mean, one of the biggest pain points, pains in the backside for, for me, I guess, is when I'm finding those best practice bits of data or, or like what constitutes best practice in certain things. Very rarely is there, um, you know, zero to 1000 category tech companies mm -hmm. in Australia and Sydney. It's always a matter of pulling lots of different data data um, pieces together and then looking for the trends analysis of lots of different things. Sometimes it's looking at economic trends and the differences or, or the similarities in economic trends between Australia and the US and then looking at some US data and then overlaying that over the top. You know, there's there's yeah. no, a lot of the time there's no perfect data source, but if you can add rigor to what you're doing by bringing in some useful data um, and just take the time to do that, um, yeah. you know, that's, uh, that, that would probably, I mean, it's, it's, it's by no means groundbreaking advice, but it's, it's, I think if it's, no, it's um, awesome. if it's, if it's advice in regards to how to become data driven, it is really just be willing to put the time aside um, to uh, to to really kind of look at what the, the the best data points are available for the problems you're trying to solve, yeah. and as the secondary part of that, try and stop yourself from when you're speaking to your C-suite or the business more broadly, try and stop yourself from uh, you know throwing out the the more um, uh, experiential or anecdotal on its own. Yeah, no, hundred percent. That's great advice, mate. I really appreciate that. Um, and You've given so much value today in terms of uh, some of the information that you've shared. It's, it's absolutely awesome. I really appreciate it. 
Um, and for people to, uh, for the listeners, mate, that uh, want to get hold of you or have any further questions, where, where's the best places for them to uh, to get hold of you on? I'm on every messaging platform known to man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, look, most people, most people know they can reach out to me anytime, and I'll, I'll try and be as as generous with, with my time as possible. If I can answer yeah. questions or or help or support or guide, I'm I'm always I'm, I'm always all ears. So yeah, I mean, look, uh, as as every people person is, I'm I'm of course on LinkedIn. Um, I'm in Slack groups. I'm in you know, and and lots of people already have my mobile number, so they can reach out to me on any platform, and uh, yeah. I'll come back to them as soon as I can, or as soon as my my two and a half year old allows me to to get back to you <laughs> that's awesome no that's brilliant mate and i've really i've, I've really enjoyed uh, having a conversation today um Likewise, I've awesome. enjoyed it. thank you thanks neil it's, uh, it'll be awesome to get you on in, the, in again in the future to pick another subject that we can uh, unravel but uh, Happy all, to. The, Happy all to. the best mate i really appreciate it anytime cheers adam thanks neil see you mate